February, we have dedicated as a month um, towards what we're calling outflow. And one of the things that Jesus taught us was that out of the outflow of our heart, um, the mouth speaks. But we're, we're taking it a step farther to say out of the overflow of our heart, the life is lived. What will our life be part? What's your outflow look like? And so this is our month that we sort of uh, intentionally focus on um, mission, local, national, international. So that's what our focus is. That's what we're outflowing with. And so we're bringing to your attention more of the things that our family of churches works together on. We have a family of churches that allows us to be part of work that hits almost every country on earth. We obviously can't manage all of that ourselves. And so we are privileged to be able to partner in this, to be able to be a part in making these things happen. So that's something that we're excited to do. So this is a month that we give specific focus to that, and we ask if you are interested to participate in what is a special, uh, a special fund called the Jaffrey Project, where we specifically are targeting um, the groups that uh, Brem was talking about um, throughout the world. There are specific focuses that we have, and if you are interested in participating in that, um, both online and uh, the, the offering envelopes give you the option to select mission or international mission, that uh, if you would like to participate in that, we would welcome you to do that, um, offer you that possibility to be part of what God is doing there. So part of what we're going to do um, is have people who have experiences in some of these um, matters more firsthand than perhaps we do. And today we have the privilege of having Curtis Peters with us. Curtis is our new district superintendent. So we have a national office, and then our nation is divided up into different districts. Our district is sort of Toronto um, all the way east to Newfoundland without Quebec. Quebec is its own district. And hopefully, we're, if we continue to partner well together, then we'll be able to launch the Maritimes as their own district as well, and they'll be able to stand um, on their own. So Curtis is just new this year. He is just coming in. Well, I'll let him tell you who he is and where he is. I would like to just uh, ask you to welcome him. This is his first time here, so let, let him feel a little bit welcome. Thanks. Take it away, Curtis. Thanks, Graham. Well, what a delight to be with you today, to join your worship. Just exciting to, uh, yeah, just to be part of this day with you. So thanks for, for letting me share with you, say a few words. I'll uh, tell you a little bit about my experience. Um, I get to keep bring you greetings from some of these people that they were just talking about on this video. I spent the last couple of years living in Mexico City with my family. Uh, we have three boys. I'll talk with them a little bit later. Before that, we spent about seven years, six, seven years working in Cuba. So we spent about the last 11 years in total between Costa Rica, learning some Spanish, and then in, in, uh, in and out of Cuba and Mexico. And uh, just was invited into this role as the new district superintendent in August. Uh, so just kind of learning a lot of new things, getting to meet all of these different churches throughout uh, this part of uh, Canada that, that Pastor Graham was talking about. Uh, there are about 80-some churches that, that this church is a part of this family. We call it the Christian and Missionary Alliance. And so again, I bring you greetings from all of these other churches that you are part of this family together with. Um, we actually started as a, as a movement with just seven people. Uh, it was actually our founder started and he, you know, he was in a, a pretty large church that was pretty wealthy. Everyone was there and they, you know, everyone had their specific pew and they, you know, they, they weren't very open to welcoming some of the new immigrants that were coming that were poor, that didn't really fit in. And, and this pastor said, no, 
we can't do that. We need to invite them. And, but his church wasn't really willing for that. And so he said, well, I'm going to start my own thing. So he went out and he just put an ad in the paper. He said, if, you wanna, if you're passionate about having a deep relationship with Jesus and you want to share with him with the world, come and meet with me. So seven different people from seven churches got together and they just started having these uh, evening church services. And uh, that movement of seven people about 130 years ago today has grown to about 5 million people worshiping in churches like this in 80 different countries around the world. And uh, out of those 80 countries, 39 of them sent out other what we call missionaries or international workers to other parts around the world as well. So not only have they received this news of Jesus, but they are now sharing it with even more countries in places around the world. And so, so again, I, I get the privilege of, of going to these different churches and just bringing greetings on behalf of this larger family. Uh, sometimes we can forget that and feel a little bit like we're alone, even like we sang in that song. But God has never left us alone. He's always been with us. And he's also given us this family to partner with together uh, in this life of knowing Jesus intimately and uh, sharing him with the world. Well, I want to share with you a little bit today a bit about my journey, uh, how I ever went on this kind of wild journey uh, of taking my family of three boys, we started with just one when we first left 11 years ago, um, to on seven different international moves over the last 11 years. It's a little bit of a, a crazy thing to do. You think, you know, Pastor Graham said, well, tell us, us a little bit about that. Why did you ever do that? And, uh, you know, tell us a bit about that story. So I want to tell you, I want to kind of break up my, my talk here just in a couple of, of areas. Uh, first of all, talking about this idea that, that God calls us on these, these adventures with him on mission, whether that's across the street, crisis pregnancy, meeting needs of, of people that are broken in our community, all the way to some of these faraway places around the world. I believe, as I share with you some of my story of the adventure that God has taken me and my family on. I, believe, I, I don't share that as prescriptive, that everyone should have the same story as me, but as an example of, of an adventure that God has taken one of his kids on and uh, for you to think about what is your story? What's the adventure that God is inviting you to participate in that you're already on and uh, maybe wants to expand that in some new ways? The second thing I want to talk a little bit about is that one of the things that I've learned over the course of, of these last number of years is that God is always more concerned about us as people than he is about what we do. He cares most and first and foremost about who we are becoming more than the kinds of things that we do for God. And so I want to talk a little bit about how he's inviting us to be joy-filled children and friends of God. We've sung about some of those things today and share a little bit about how I've been learning about that over the last season of my life. So let me first of all talk about this idea of adventures with God on mission. Um, you know, to be honest, when I first started on this adventure of mission, I wasn't particularly adventurous or, or thinking even of mission in those terms. I was more thinking of it as, you know, sacrifice. What Jesus commands us to go into all the world and to tell the world about his good news. And, and uh, you know, I had never really wanted to be a quote-unquote missionary. I had gone to Bible college. I thought maybe I'd be a pastor, but but I'd heard kind of the stories of the challenges that missionaries face, you know, the, the food that they might have to eat, like beetles or, you know, like some weird stories that sometimes you hear other parts of the world. And, uh, you know, well, this sounds like a lot of hard work, some of the things that they need to do. So I was open to it, but never really particularly wanted to do that myself. But one day I was actually in, in youth group in grade 11, 
And uh, this guy comes from Africa. He, he was uh, studying at the Bible college in the seminary. And uh, he comes and speaks at our youth group a bit about his story. And I was blown away. Yeah, he tells a story about how as a, as a young kid, like five years old, he was kicked out of his house by his mom had died. His stepmom came in and didn't love him and so kicked him out. And he's wandering through the jungles of Africa on his own, one day crying out to God, God, why did you leave me alone, right? We sang the song, you never once left me alone, and yet I feel all alone. I'm an eight-year-old kid living in the middle of the jungle, wandering on my own for the last few years. And he actually heard a voice of God calling out to him in the jungle, Daniel, I love you. I'm going to send you to Canada someday. It's like, of all the things for God to tell an eight-year-old boy in Africa, you're going to go to Canada someday. Okay. And I think he actually told him, you know, I'm going to send you there so you can study and become a pastor. Okay, well, years go by, gets a bit older, and God kind of comes to him again. He's like, hey, the time has come. I'm going to send you to Canada to study, to be a pastor. And so he starts telling his friends, hey, God told me I'm going to Africa to learn to be a pastor. And they're like, what? Like, how are you going to do that? Do you have any money? He's like, no, God will provide. Okay. So meanwhile, while he's going around telling his friends about this, God taps the guy on the shoulder somewhere in Western Canada and says, hey, I want you to send money to Africa for somebody I want to come to Canada to study to be a pastor. So this guy, he doesn't know anybody in Africa. He knows like one missionary who goes there. He's like, okay. So he, he obeys. He talks to this guy. And he's like, I think God wants me to send money with you to Africa for some guy. Okay. So this guy happens to be from Daniel's village in Burkina Faso. And he shows up there and he says, hey, I have money for someone in your village to come to Canada to study. And Daniel is kind of funny. He says, you know, guess who they chose? Maybe the guy who'd been telling everybody for the last while that he was going to be gone. You know, I heard this story as a, you know, 16-year-old. And I was just riveted. I thought, wow, God is so real. Look at the things that he does. And so I went and talked to this guy after, and I said, man, I would love to learn from you. I just, your story is so impactful to me. Would you, would you be like a teacher for me, a mentor? Would you kind of let me hang along, hang along or take along with you in some of the things that you do so I can learn from you? So I started doing that, and I went to Bible college, and I was there. One day we were having a worship time, and uh, this, this guy and his African friends, they were kind of leading us in worship, and, and at the end he started preaching, and during his message he just stopped right in the middle, and he just said, there is a young man in here who is called to missions. And he's like looking right at me. And my heart just like starts pounding in my chest. And I'm like, God's talking to me through this guy. And so afterwards, you know, he gave this invitation. Anyone, if you feel like God is calling you to be involved in his missions, you should come forward. And so I did. I came forward and I'll, I'll never forget. I kind of, again, this was not, I was not thinking adventure with God on mission. I was thinking sacrifice. I was thinking, okay, God, you've tapped me on the shoulder. You said you want me to sacrifice for Jesus. I'll do it. So I come to the front, and I remember I stretch out my arms like a cross. I was like, okay, Jesus, I'll surrender my life to you. I'll do whatever you want me to do. And I went. Now, I can't tell you that, that everything in the last 11 years, since, well, I guess that was 20 years ago. It's been 11 years since we've actually had lived overseas. I can't tell you everything about those seven international moves with kids and challenges of living in different countries and all of the dynamics of that has been all easy or without sacrifice. You know, I've been very fortunate that most of the food has been awesome. I've actually been treated to some great food, as you're going to experience at your international potluck here in a couple of weeks. Um, most of it was amazing. I did once have to eat pig brain gravy. That was like Sound, it tastes as bad as it sounds. That, that was like the one bad thing I really had to eat. But for the most part, it has not been near as bad with the food as I had anticipated. I've been treated to some great food. 
But there has been a certain measure of sacrifice and challenge uh, along with the journey. But I think one of the biggest things I've learned in these last 20 years, it was actually in February 20 years ago that I first received this invitation from God. First, the biggest thing I've learned is that missions is first and foremost an invitation from God to an adventure with Him. And I believe that's true not just for those of us who may be called to go to some other country, but those of us, all of us, who are called in some way to engage with God in His mission right here in our local community. It's an invitation to an adventure. Now, you know, if you think about it, what kid doesn't love going on an adventure with his mom or dad? I mean, kids love that stuff, don't they? Um, yeah, I think sometimes our, our adult self that, that feels like we need to be really mature and really, you know, focused on just living life the way, you know, a good adult should. We, we sometimes tell the child in us, you know, don't be adventurous. Or you, can't, you can't justify, you know, that'd be too wasteful just to spend your time doing an adventure. And yet, what does Jesus say when the disciples try to push away the child in them? He says, let the little children come to me. The kingdom of God belongs to them. I'm inviting them on a good and beautiful adventure. And I believe that, that he also says that unless we become like little children, we can't enter his kingdom. He, he's inviting us to have that adventurous heart. And he as a good father is inviting us on these adventures. Um, I have three boys uh, named Lucas, Micah, and Liam. I'm not sure if we have their pictures. Do I have a clicker? That I, is, okay. Awesome. Love it. There we go. There are my three beautiful boys. Lucas is 12 in the middle. Micah is eight. And this is Liam, who is six. So as you can imagine in their mischievous faces, you can tell there's a lot of adventure in my house. Uh, one of the favorite things we loved to do when I lived in Mexico City was take them to an, uh, an amusement park called Six Flags. I don't know if any of you ever heard of that. It's a great amusement park with huge roller coasters, 30 minutes away from my house. I mean, talk about sacrificing for Jesus. Missions, right? Uh, but we had this season pass, and we could go all the time. We loved it. And um, so, again, love um, adventure. So I just want to tell you one quick story of an adventure, kind of of each of the three kids. First of all, Lucas. Uh, this is a picture of him you'll see coming up, of catching a salmon in the, in the creek behind our house with his bare hands. I mean, this, this is, talk about adventure, right? You just spend like two hours like trying to catch these things and there was one little spot where they'd kind of get trapped and so he could reach in behind and, and pull this thing out. Um, but again, kids just love this. They love just to find anything that they can do to, to go explore something new. Um, different kind of adventure for my son, Micah. Um, he's been really impacted this year since we've come back from Mexico where he was involved in a... Um, this is his school in Mexico City. It was a Christian private school. So, you know, very much a, a you know, a, yeah, a Christian type of environment. So he comes back here, and now he's in a, a public school and uh, realizes this is not everybody knows about Jesus. Not everybody has experienced this. And, I mean, this kid, he loves Jesus. He, and one day he's just at school here, and he's doodling on his note page writing the name of Jesus, right? It's Jesus Christ on his, Newton, on his paper. And one of his friends comes by and he's like, why did you write a swear word on your paper? And he's like, it's not a swear word, he's my friend, you know? But he was just so broken by that. That just broke his heart. And uh, so now he, he's come back and he regularly asks us, mom and dad, can we pray for the friends in my class that they would know Jesus? Uh, he told me the other day that he's found three other Christians in his class. Now, before they didn't really talk about it, but Mike has kind of teased it out of them, and now he's got them talking about Jesus as well. 
Why? Because he's on adventure with Jesus to make, to let everybody in his class know that he's not just a swear word. He is a great friend. Well, last but not least is my little guy, Liam. He's on the right here uh, with Micah. And I have a homeless guy named Antonio that we met in Mexico. Um, and uh, we invited him over to our house to get a shower, usually once a week, and he'd come sometimes for a meal. And our kids really, really took to him, really would love to pray for him and love him, and they would give him these big hugs. They weren't really focused on the fact that he smelled kind of bad and, you know, had a kind of a bit of a disheveled appearance. They would embrace him. Liam has a, has a huge heart for people. One day he says to me, Dad, God made one billion people in the world, and he made me so I can love them. Talk about a, mission, a personal mission statement, right? I need to love every one of the one billion people in the world. I didn't have the heart to tell them that there were actually like seven billion. But, but you know, <laughs> one billion people in the world. But, so he's got this, you know, great heart for people. But he's also a little kid. And he's got an incredible, adventurous spirit. So I hear that you'll see this picture here of what he calls the wilderness uh, behind our house. We have this beautiful view out of our back, kind of a creek and, and uh, area on the edge of Bowmanville where we live. And, uh, you know, at nighttime, you can sometimes hear the coyotes with a little bit of a howl. And uh, so he is convinced that not only coyotes, but also hyenas live in our back wilderness. Um, and so he's, you know, when you think that hyenas live behind your house, there's inherently a little bit of risk involved in this, right? And yet, and yet he still wants to go back there. You know, he, he tells me, he's like, well, Dad, the hyenas live at the back of the wilderness. So, you know, not, all, not right close. But, he, you know, he loves to, to go in there. And there, there's this sense of adventure. We're, we're checking this out. And, and I think kids, they, they have this sense that when the, if their parents are with them, they, they know it's okay somehow. Even though there's a certain measure of risk involved in cruising down a roller coaster or going out, hanging out in the wilderness with the hyenas and the coyotes, there's a sense that, that it's going to be okay because mom and dad have got us. And I realized that, that missions is kind of like that. That it's, it's not always safe. It, it can be a little bit risky. Not everything that God asks us to do is easy. It's not all risk-free. Sometimes hard things happen. Sometimes things don't go quite as well as we hope. But the question that God has been kind of burning on my heart over the, these last number of years is, do I trust in the character of God? Do I believe that he is good, that he is beautiful, that when he asks me to come to the church and put out my arms like a cross and say, I'm willing to do anything for you, Jesus, do I believe that it's really just an incredible adventure that he's inviting me on? It might sometimes be hard. Sometimes it might be fraught with challenges. But it's an exciting adventure that he's leading me on. And I can trust that he is good and that ultimately he has my best interest at heart. I love the scene from the Chronicles of Narnia. I'm not sure if some of you have seen The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And there's this time where the little girl, Lucy, is, uh, you know, she's finding out that she's going to meet Aslan and finds out that he's actually a big lion. And so this kind of alarms her. You know, she'd been hearing about Aslan, but she didn't know that Aslan was actually a lion and she's going to meet him face to face. And so she asks her, her friend, the beaver, you know, well, is he safe? <laughs> and the beaver kind of chuckles, oh, safe. Oh, no. Who said anything about being safe? He's not safe, but he's good. And that's the most important thing I want to share with you today about missions. It's not safe, but the God who sends us is good. 
And so accepting his invitation to join him on mission. Again, whether that's going around the world, whether that's sacrificing some of your money that you feel like, I don't know how I'm going to pay the bills if I'm trusting God with this finance. Maybe it's taking some of your time to pray and think, God, I've got other things to do. It's hard to find time to get up an extra little bit early to pray. Or it's, you know, reaching out to maybe that coworker who's maybe a little bit hostile to Jesus and you want to try to find a way to bridge the gap to, to help them understand or to invite them to your church or whatever. Whatever the case, from something small to something bigger, invite you to look at it this way, that it's your dad, your heavenly father, like and Jesus says, we can call him Abba, and, and him inviting you on an adventure to trust him that as you go out in faith, he can use you to impact the world. Well, Graham uh, explained a little bit about how I work at our district office, so we kind of help to to serve and, and care for the, the church, these 80 or 90 churches or so that live in this part of, that are situated in this part of, of uh, Canada. And so we've been, as I've been getting new to this role, finding out, you know, what are we even here for? You know, and you might ask yourself sometimes, like, why are we even part of this family called the, the Alliance? Like, why, why do we even do that? Why do we partner together? And, uh, you know, there's lots of things we could talk about there, but we're working on kind of a vision statement or a purpose statement. And we don't have it totally nailed down yet, but basically the idea that we're, we're working with is that we exist to help our leaders and churches experience the fullness of God and all of his beauty, and then to invite others, both their neighbors and the nations, to do the same. Because we really believe that that is the most important thing that, that we can do to serve you. It's the most important thing that we want you to be doing is we want you to be experiencing the fullness of God. To, every time you come to worship, every time you're at work, you're at play, you're doing whatever, you're experiencing the goodness and the beauty of God in all that you're doing. You're walking in relationship with Him, in friendship with Him. And then as you taste and see that the Lord is good, like the psalmist said, as you come and taste how amazing God is and you experience that, that you will want to invite others to experience that with you. You'll say, this is so incredible. When you come and, and you hear the worship and the harmonica, and we're just dancing, we're saying there ain't no grave that can hold us down. We really believe that. And man, I don't want you to be held down by any grave either. I want you to come and experience the life that is truly life. And uh, it's, it's about experiencing God and all of his goodness and then just inviting others to do the same. Not about, you know, again, I think about kids. You know, what's the first thing they do when they experience something awesome? They go on some cool adventure. What do they want to do? They want to tell somebody about it, don't they? I mean, they, hey, mom, dad, look what I did. Or they go to their friends, look what I did. That's what I believe missions is all about. It's, it's we actually have a story to tell. We've had an awesome adventure with our Heavenly Father. And then we just want to invite others. Man, you gotta, I got to tell you what I was up to. I got to tell you how good my God is. I have the God who, who speaks to kids in the African jungle and says, I got a plan for your life. I want to be a part of that. We say, we, we, we have tasted the banqueting table. There's this verse in Isaiah 55 that says, Come, you who have no money, come buy and eat. eat you know, come buy wine and milk, all the luxuries, all the pleasures. You can come and buy. Not because you can earn it. Not because somehow you can earn God's favor or that, that you deserve to be God's child, but he invites you in to experience his goodness. Not because of what you've done, but just because it's his free gift. And that's really what the gospel is all about and that's what we want to invite people through our mission to participate in. And that really leads me to the, the second key thing that I said I wanted to talk to you about today is that the, 
what I've learned is that the most important thing about us is not actually what we do, but who we are, who we are becoming every day. And this idea that, that, that we need to become people who are just totally stoked about the goodness of God. It's like, he is just so awesome that I would want nothing else but to share him with others. You know, I, I didn't understand that very well when I first went overseas to the mission field. I, I thought the most important way to be a good missionary was to do the right kinds of things. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying that what we do doesn't matter. Certainly, there's lots we could talk about how to do missions well, whether that's across the street or around the world. But I'm convinced that the absolute best way to do missions successfully is to be a certain kind of person. Because if you're the right kind of person, you'll naturally attract people to want to become like you. And therefore, they'll be open to the kinds of things you want to share with them. So I just want to chat just very briefly. What, what kind of person is God calling us to be? What kind of person will naturally attract others to want to join us in this life with Jesus? Again, there's lots I could say, but there's this little phrase that we've been working on, uh, again, as part of our um, values in our district. We say we want to be joy-filled children and friends of God. Joy-filled children and friends of God. Let me just touch briefly on those three things. First, we're becoming joy-filled. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 8, that says that in Christ we are filled with inexpressible and glorious joy. I felt a little bit of that in your worship this morning. This is joyful. This is not like, let's just come to church and sing a few hymns that we've got to sing because, you know, it's, it's the way we worship God. And all of eternity, we're just going to sit around and, and just like sing these boring songs. No, this is joy-filled, inexpressible and glorious, joyful worship. And, uh, you know, think about that. How can you describe something that is inexpressible and glorious? Like, it's too good for words. You, you can't possibly describe how amazing it is to walk with Jesus. And the amazing thing is that when Peter talks about this joy, he's not just talking to a bunch of rich people who've got all the pleasures and everything's going really well. He's writing to people who are undergoing persecution for their faith. He's talking about how their trials are refining them. Uh, how many of you find it joyful when you're being refined? <laughs> when when like, you're put in a fire and it's like burning away all of the impurities and the gold? That, that, that doesn't feel particularly joyful as we usually define joy. And yet what Peter is saying is that the goodness of walking with Jesus is just so much better than any little hardships that we have to face along the way. You know, it's like that little hardship, which might seem really big at the time. He says that is just so small compared to the immeasurable, inexpressibly glorious joy of walking with Jesus. Now, I've had the privilege over the last 10 years or so working in Cuba, even from Mexico, we flew back, or I flew back and forth to Cuba regularly, and uh, had the incredible privilege of getting to know the Cuban people. I don't know if any of you have traveled to Cuba, but they, it is an incredibly joyful people. Uh, the average Cuban makes less than a dollar a day. Their salary, plus a few government rations, basically they make about 20 bucks a month. So, I mean, they have like nothing, you know, they, and, and they realize it. They, know, they, they, they go through all kinds of hardships. They, they, have, they love to tell jokes, though, about their, their misfortune. One of their favorites is, you know, some people are born lucky. Others are born here. You know, and, and, they, and then they laugh. Ha <laughs> ha, isn't that funny? You know, it's like they're talking about how life is so hard. But yet Cubans are full of joy. Right, last November, I had the privilege of going back and uh, went to my, my favorite 
Uh, my best friends there, his church, incredible little church, started again with like 10 or 12 people in a very dark neighborhood, all kinds of witchcraft all around them and so on. And uh, God has poured out his light there in such an incredible way. I'll never forget the, the first time I heard the story, but he said, he started praying. He's like, well, God, if there's so much darkness all around and we want to bring light, well, we've got to get rid of the darkness. So, so there was this, this, all these idols right across the street in this guy's house that, that was promoting all of this witchcraft. And he said, God, would you get rid of those idols? Would you, would you destroy them and show people that you are the true God? Kind of like the story of Elijah. For those of you who know the story of the Bible where, where he prayed that God would send fire from heaven to destroy the altar and prove that he was the true God. Well, God, he prayed about this for about 30 days. And he, would, he was fasting from food and he was staying up through the night and just praying, crying out to God over and over again. And finally, he got a little tired. He's like, I'm kind of tired of praying for this. God, this isn't happening. And uh, that night, he went to bed early. Two o'clock in the morning, he wakes up. And literally, he saw two green flashes come from heaven and absolutely obliterate that front, house, front, front room of that guy's house. And the firefighters came, and they tried to put out the fire, and it just like, kept getting bigger and bigger down to the foundations. This place was destroyed. And uh, through that, God began to work and all kinds of miracles. That church today has about 200 people, about 100 kids um, meeting like in their house, like just little extension to their house, kind of a garage that they've built and suffocating heat in Cuba in August, 200 people crammed into a very small space. But they have such incredible joy. And I was there here in November and uh, we're there worshiping, and I was with a group from Canada of different pastors who had joined me. I was kind of showing them around. <laughs> and we're here, and we're having the worship time, and all of a sudden, these three old ladies start dancing, and they come up to the front, and they're just doing this big dance, and, and, and then they start inviting some of us from the, the best Canadians, and they start pulling us in, hey, come dance with me, and there's, you know, we're like dancing around with them, and then the young people come, and they do, they form the conga line, and they're just like dancing all around these ladies. And it was just like one of the most joyful experiences I've ever had in my life. Just it was like these people have nothing, and yet they are so full of joy. Let me ask you, would you say that you are becoming the kind of person who is characterized by joy? Where does that joy come from? You know, how do we get that? If that's so important that we need to have joy, how do we get that kind of joy? I believe that joy comes from being a child and a friend of God. I love the words of Jesus in the famous passage in, uh, first John, or sorry, in John chapter 15. It was Jesus is talking about how he's like a vine and we're like the branches. So obviously the branches need to be connected to the vine in order to have life. The branch, once it's cut off from the vine, dies and it withers. It no longer has any fruit. Um, so he says that we're like the vine and we need to stay connected to Jesus. And at the end of that passage, or, or towards the end of that passage in verse 11, he says this. Why, why, is he, why does he tell us this? Why does he tell us about the importance of being connected to him? Oh, sorry, I guess I missed that verse. That's another awesome verse about how God, how great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. We are friends and children of God. I was going to say something great about that, but I'll just let the text speak for itself. But there's another verse coming up here at John 15, verse 11. Um, I'm not sure if it'll come up there, or maybe I just totally missed that one. But anyway, sorry about that. Um, he says, I have told you this so that my joy would be in you and that your joy would be complete. Yeah, I guess I just forgot to put that passage in. Sorry. So I just, um, oh, there it is. Look at that. John 15. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. I want you to listen very carefully to this because this to me is like the heart 
of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Being, um, sorry, joy is the goal of our walk with Christ. I have told you this. Why do I want you to be connected to me? Why even bother following Jesus? Why? I have told you this so that my joy would be in you and that your joy would be complete. That is what God has for us. That's what he wants our experience of being a child of God to be. So again, if that's the thing that he most wants, how how do we get filled with this joy? Well, again, we get it by being his children and by being his friends. And that's where I was going to get to this other verse. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us. You know, can you hear the joy in that statement? How great is the love the Father has just lavished on us. That's kind of an old word, but the idea of lavish, just a, just a pouring it out, just like kind of like a waterfall, just pouring out His goodness upon us. See, friends, being a child of God is a joy-filled experience. It's not meant to be, well, my religious duty, I better, you know, please God, I better show up and sit in these hard pews on Sunday morning because that's really, you know, what it means to be a Christian. I'm going to really make God happy if I just come and do my religious duty once a week. Following Jesus is meant to be full of joy. And so if you aren't experiencing joy in your relationship with the Father, may I I suggest to you that maybe there's something broken in your soul. Maybe there's something that that Jesus is inviting you today and he's saying, I'd like to reach down and heal that. Maybe it was a bad experience with the church. Maybe it was a bad experience with someone who said that they were a follower of Jesus and didn't really live out joy, didn't inspire joy in you. I don't know what it might be. I think a lot of us are not living in the fullness of the joy inexpressible and glorious joy that God has for us. If that's you, I invite you today to pray, just to invite God to heal your soul. Like he says in Psalm 23, that, that he leads us beside quiet waters and he restores our soul. And I believe that Jesus wants to do that for you today. We have joy from being children of God. And we also have joy from knowing him as a friend. I mean, this is really a mind-boggling concept, that God would invite us to be his friends. You know, maybe I could think of God accepting me as his son or as his daughter. Okay, maybe he would accept me as a child. But that he would actually invite me into friendship with him is is really a mind-boggling kind of concept. But in that passage I talked about where Jesus said, I've told you all of this because I want you to have joy, he goes on a few verses later in verse 15, and he says this. He says, I no longer call you servants, Because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father. Oh, thank you. Thank you. For everything I learned from the father, I have made known to you. Let me ask you. Do you see yourself as God's servant or as his friend? Or or perhaps you aren't yet a follower of Christ. If you were to think to yourself, to become a follower of Christ, what would that mean? To become his servant To have to do what he tells me? Or would it be to be his friend? How do you perceive the good news of Jesus? You know, I first went to the mission field. I I would say I mostly knew Jesus as his servant. You know, my focus is on what I would do for Jesus in response to what he had done for me, right? He did this for me. I, I owe it to him to do this for him. But I've learned over the years that what Jesus really wants is my friendship. A friendship where we go on crazy adventures together. 
and where we both experience incredible joy in the relationship. There's this verse in Hebrews chapter 12 that says that, that it was for the joy set before him that Jesus went to the cross. Did you know that he actually gets joy from relationship with you? That actually fills his heart with joy. He said, it is worth it to have friendship with each one of you here. That would be worth going to the cross to suffer for you just so that I could have so much joy in being your friends. An incredible thought. Now, to be friends of Jesus doesn't mean that we don't then serve him. I mean, that's what friends do for each other, isn't it? Just two verses earlier in verse 13, Jesus says this. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You see, friendship is not just about hanging out or doing nice things together, having fun. That's part of it. But it's also about laying down our lives for one another. Right? A true friend, when they see that you're in need, they're going to come through for you. We love the other person so much that we're willing to sacrifice something that maybe we would like, but hey, my friend needs my help. You know, I would like to do this, but hey, their car broke down. I'm going to go out and I'm going to help them. Right? So, so in the same way, absolutely, we are called to serve Jesus just as he has served us and continues to serve us. But we do so as friends motivated by love, not as servants motivated by duty. That's a life-changing concept, if you can grasp that. We don't serve Jesus out of, as servants fulfilling a duty. We serve him as friends who are just so grateful and who want to help just as he has done for us. We do it because we want to, not because we have to. The cool thing is that as, this, as we develop this kind of friendship with Jesus, notice what happens, right? We go back to verse 15. He says, I've called you friends for everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. Did you know that Jesus wants to make known everything that's on the Father's heart? The Father's will, the way the Father feels about you, his plans for your life. He actually wants to make that known to you. He says, a servant does not know his master's business, right? If you're the servant, I mean, you don't get to know the inner workings of what the, the master is thinking about his strategic plan or what he wants to do. But a friend, they're invited in. You get to know what God is thinking. He wants to speak to you. When we talk about prayer, it's not just us talking to God. God actually wants to talk to you, to have a friendship. That's a two-way street where he makes known to you the things that are on his heart, even as you also share with him what's on your heart. So there's one thing I long for you today as I close here, is that you would experience, that you would taste and see what it feels like to be a joy-filled child and friend of God. It's the biggest thing I've learned in missions, that yes, serving God is good, but it has to come from a place of being a joy-filled child and friend of God. And then I long that as you receive that gift of his joy, that you would in turn have an uncontainable passion to invite both your neighbors here and the nations around the world to experience that joy with you. Let me pray for you as I close. Heavenly Father, I just am so thankful for the truths I've been able to talk about today. So thankful for the story that you have written me into that you've given me the opportunity to be part of this incredible adventure uh, in Latin America over the last 11 years. And now a new adventure here as the district superintendent, uh, getting to meet wonderful people like here at Into One Community Church, uh, to see what you are doing in their lives and the unique missional ways that you're calling them to, to serve their community and reach out even around the world. The way that they're, they're making their church as accessible as possible so that as many people as possible can come here and experience joy and find out what it means to be a child and a friend of God. 
Thank you, Lord, for this adventure of, of getting to know these people. And I thank you that, Lord, your plans, like you said in Jeremiah, they are plans to prosper us, not to harm us, but to give us a hope and a future uh, and to give us inexpressible and glorious joy. And sometimes you know that there are trials along the way. Sometimes there are risks that don't always turn out well and there are difficulty and there's challenges. But we can trust you because you are a good good father and you are trustworthy and you've given us your son Jesus so that we can experience friendship with you so we could be rescued from our own sin from our own failure and be brought into this incredible relationship with you as your kids and as your friends so I just give you thanks for all of that and I do pray for my new friends here I pray oh God that they anything that might be broken in their soul Anything, Lord, that might need a healing touch from you today, a wound from someone who hurt them maybe in the name of Jesus, someone who maybe didn't quite teach them about Jesus this way, who made them think that it was about duty, about obligation, about somehow avoiding God's angry wrath. Lord, I pray that they would know today the healing balm of your presence where you just minister to their souls and say, I love you. You are unique and special as one of my kids. And I have a unique adventure for you. Will you join me? I pray that they would courageously accept your invitation to heal their soul and to engage with you in exciting missional adventures. Thank you for them. I pray all these things in Jesus' name.